Good morning. I am delighted to be here today to help celebrate the commissioning of Karen Lee Hess, one of your church members. The letter to the church at Ephesus affirms God's call to ministry for every one of us. I read it in part. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God of all, who is about all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We joyfully, joyfully gather here today claiming ministry as a gift from Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. The Holy Spirit blesses all of us with Christ's ministries of reconciliation, of healing, of teaching, and of serving in his name. And while the whole people of God through baptism is commissioned to share in Christ's ministry, we also gather today recognizing from the earliest times God has set persons apart to lead and serve in certain ways. A commissioned minister is one so set apart. Candidates for commissioned ministry prepare for pastoral leadership with foundational studies in 16 areas of competency, including scripture, tradition, preaching, teaching, and pastoral care, to name a few. They also come under the care of the Oklahoma Commission on Clergy, who provides support and evaluation, both personally and professionally, of those on the journey toward the order of ministry. Upon completion of all the preparation, the Commission on Clergy approves a candidate for commissioned ministry, grants a certificate of commissioned ministry, which enables them to serve in ministry settings in the Oklahoma region and continues to provide annual oversight with ministerial standing. Oklahoma has over 250 clergy that they provide oversight for. Today, we come celebrating that Karen Lee Hess, a member of this congregation, has duly completed the requirements of the Center for Ministry and Lay Training through Phillips Theological Seminary, and that Karen has been under the care of the Commission on Clergy and has been approved to serve as a commissioned minister in Oklahoma. 
I want to invite Les Brown from this congregation and Richard Kasky from the Commission on Clergy to speak to Karen's readiness for this moment. Karen, through baptism, we have all been commissioned to serve the ministry of Jesus Christ. We also recognize, as Pam just noted, that from earliest times, God has set persons apart to lead and to serve in special ways with special gifts. It is my joy today to represent this uh, congregation, which you and Kayla have now long made your church home, as we affirm that you indeed are one who has been set apart by God to serve Christ in ways that only you can, and with special gifts that are your, uniquely your own. We celebrate with thanksgiving that you have been so much a part of uh, the life of this church, of our church family, and have served in a variety of ways within the life of our congregation. However, we especially celebrate today that God has called you to service beyond First Christian Church of Norman. You have faithfully and masterfully served Christ by caring for patients and their families, as well as staff members at the OU Medical Center. We like to think that you have been our living link between that parish and this one. <laughs> Your ministry there for six years has brought professional pastoral care to people at the most crucial moments in their lives, times when faith is most profoundly tested. These past two years particularly have demanded a depth of service beyond imagination. You've prayed with many when others, others of us could not. You've been at bedsides when family and loved ones should not. You've heartened and helped heal the healers, weary and worn workers, by ministering to caregivers who themselves needed to be given care. Like Esther, who knew several years ago, Karen, when you answered the call to ministry, bringing all your rich professional and personal life experience to train for hospital chaplaincy, you would have come for just such a time as this. The big difference, though, is that you didn't need some guy like Mordecai to talk into it. And you were not to be a queen but to be a servant of Christ. So on this Sunday, two years into this world pandemic and two days after your birthday, Karen Lee has we affirm that you are truly set apart and are already leading and serving in significant ways with the special gifts that God has given you, abundant gifts that you are so generously sharing as blessings to so many in Christ's name. We then, as your church family, do joyfully affirm 
you and your call to ministry with deepest respect and faithfully covenant to support you with our love, our acceptance, and our prayers. It is with great honor for me to be here today representing the Commission on Clergy at Karen Hess's commissioning ceremony. I first, however, want to thank this congregation for offering their arms and their hearts to Karen and Kaylin, and for showing her an excellent example of the disciples of Christ. Without this, and your recommendation of her for the order of ministry, we would not be here today. For those who don't know the duties of the Commission on Clergy, they include granting standing to our ministers and approving candidates for the order of ministry. My favorite duty, however, is working in the end care program. This is where we get to know the candidates, encourage them in their journey in ministry, and to help them meet and exceed the requirements for commissioning and or ordination. It was in this process that I first met Karen back in 2019 and learned her unique career path leading to her becoming a chaplain at the OU Medical Center and her request for commissioning. She spent over 20 years as an, as an ATF agent and special agent, where she also taught and trained many officers. She went on to do other things, but ended up at LifeShare, where she worked helping people who needed organs to get them. While in the in-care program, she, she showed us her caring and compassionate nature. She expressed her desire to continue to, to devote her life to the service of others and told us about her faith journey and her call to ministry. She also completed the ministerial training program at Phillips Seminary and studied DOC, history, and polity. In short, she did all that we asked her to do in preparing for commissioning. While consistently demonstrating her faith and belief in our Lord and the nature of her calling. At her commissioning council, which I was on, she met and exceeded all of our requirements. She was unanimously approved by the council and recommended for commissioning. She was unanimously approved by the commission last year, which brings us to today's ceremony. On a personal note, 
I have to thank Karen for her lifetime of service to others. Every job she has held had service involved in it. I believe her entire life has been directed by the Holy Spirit to bring her to this critical time in history. This time of pandemic and need for special caring and compassion. The work that she and her colleagues do on a daily basis is nothing short of heroic. Karen, your willingness to answer the daily call to serve in spite of the continuing danger of this pandemic is amazing. This makes you my hero. Thank you so much for your continuing service and may God bless you in that service. Karen, you wanna come join me up here on the chancel? This process is called a journey toward the ordering of ministry. You have certainly been on a journey and lots of people here believe you are ready. My question to you is, do you believe that you are ready to engage in the covenant of ministry? Karen, in light of your calling to this ministry, do you reaffirm your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? If so, please say, I do. I do. Scripture teaches that the church was devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Do you covenant to faithfully fulfill your calling among the people committed to your care? by preaching the word of God and the apostolic faith, and by presiding at celebrations of baptism and the Lord's Supper. If so, please say, I do with the help of God. I do with the help of God. Do you covenant to care for the people of God in all of life's varied circumstances, offering love, peace, hope, nourishing, teaching, and encouraging them and declaring God's forgiveness of sin and proclaiming victory over death. If so, say, I do, with the help of God. I do, with the help of God. Will you promise to live and work in unity amidst diversity, to cooperate with Oklahoma Disciples colleagues in the ministry of congregational, regional, general, as well as the ecumenical church and interfaith traditions, and to help lead the Oklahoma Church in fulfilling its ministry of reconciliation. If so, please say, I do, with the help of God. I do, with the help of God. May the Lord bless you and give you grace to uphold this covenant. May you know, Karen, that the God who has called you to ministry is faithful and will not fail you. Ever, ever. Let us pray together. Good and gracious God, giver of every good and perfect gift.
We give thanks this morning for the raising up of your daughter among us to serve you and the church as a commissioned minister. By your grace and through her gifts, assist Karen in building up the church as Christ's body into all its fullness. May the blessing of your Holy Spirit always be upon her as she seeks to faithfully fulfill the ministry of Jesus Christ with love and grace. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand. And I'm going to ask you, do you reaffirm your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and gladly support Karen to become a commissioned minister in your life together? Do you covenant to continue to support Karen's ministry with your love, your prayers, your encouragement, and your respect? If so, please say, we do. Thank you so much. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ and on behalf of our regional church, I declare you, Karen Lee Hess, as a commissioned minister of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Oklahoma. Welcome, Pastor Karen Hess. I put a stole upon you as a reminder of your gifts that God has called you to use to care for others and to represent God's love and God's grace everywhere you go, everywhere you go. I also present to you a certificate, a certificate that you are now approved and have qualified for commissioned ministry. And my, my most special one I give is the Ministerial Code of Ethics that guide all of us clergy in our everyday action practice. So thanks be to God for where you are and the journey that you have been on. I look forward to the growing ministry that you will continue to bring to the Oklahoma region, either through chaplaincy at OU Medical Center or the Children's Medical Center, or to wherever God calls you in the future. May the Spirit of God continue to be upon you and the ministry to which you are called. And to you all as a congregation, may you always rejoice in supporting and nurturing those who are called to vocational ministry. Thanks be to God.
The witness of scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as God chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way.
This is the time of year when individuals or institutions or nations make statements, variously called New Year's resolutions or corporate goals or state of the state or state of the union addresses. The turn of the calendar inspires reflection and reevaluation and reaffirmation of what is most important to what do we aspire for what do we stand? It's a good exercise, for as Socrates reminded us, the unexamined life is not worth living. In the church calendar year, the time between Christmas tide with its 12 days and Lent with its 40 days is called Epiphany. The number of days in Epiphany vary from year to year because of the timing of Easter, which being later in April this year provides a longer than normal season for Epiphany, which seems like a good gift for 2022. We could benefit from a little extra time for reflection. We need what Harry Emerson Fosdick insightfully wrote in his wonderful hymn, Grant Us Wisdom and Grant Us Courage for the Living of These Days. So Epiphany is a wonderful time when we remember the holy in the midst of the ordinary and how God's presence in life gives shape to the living of these days. During Epiphany, the church remembers the adoration of the Magi, the baptism of Jesus, the wedding feast at Cana, a sermon in Nazareth, the calling of disciples, a sermon on the plain, a revealing on a mountaintop. Each story foundational for the life of faith as the church affirms what is most important. Today, we have already made several foundational statements. Our litany of affirmation is from the preamble for the, Christ, for the design of the Christian church. It's not a creed because we have no creed but Christ, yet it is a valuable statement of what matters. With our first hymn, we were daring enough to sing, we call ourselves disciples. And then we describe some of the ways discipleship lives. We shared in the litany of commissioning as we recognize one among us, Karen Hess, for a particular ministry to which she has been called, even as we remember and affirm the ministries to which all of us are called to embody as disciples of Christ. For the gifts of God for ministry belong to all people. In good Protestant fashion of the priesthood of all believers, well affirmed by disciples' practice and polity, we rightly recognize that no minister, no congregation, no denomination has the ultimate authority to dictate what a person must believe. With that in mind, this sermon and every sermon, this worship and every worship serves as a starting place, as an invitation for consideration and conversation, not a dictation for indoctrination and dogmatism. We are all free and responsible to grow in a covenant 
of reverence for God and respect for all people. For faith is a lifelong commitment in which we never arrive, but where we are always reforming. You may have seen the recent report in the Oklahoman called Grading Oklahoma, a weekly look at how Oklahoma compares to other states on various topics. The January 2nd focus was on religion. According to that report, Oklahoma ranks eighth nationally with 66% of the people claiming to be highly religious and 71% of those proclaiming belief in God with absolute certainty, which seems like the opposite of faith to me, but maybe this is just simply semantics. <laughs> of the 71% who believe certainly, 64% say religion is important and 43% attend religious services at least weekly. The vast majority of Oklahomans claim to be Christian, while the rest practice faiths other than Christianity or are not affiliated or are not sure what they believe. Do you know what we know from this survey? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> A person who claims belief or unbelief for that matter, is not revealing anything. There's too much of Christianity that at times feels so distant from the teachings and practices of Jesus. So any statement claiming belief always has to be fleshed out. This is not a blanket criticism of people not like us. This is recognition that even in our own souls, we are always working out and working on our faith so that our living can more closely reflect Christ's light. It's a lifelong quest. None of us does this perfectly. There is always some distance between the ideal and the reality. So we examine our living. Grant us wisdom and grant us courage for the living of these days. And even a cursory exam of the living of these days reveals we are living through a time when life is too easily and unrealistically polarized into hard shell opposing camps and exclusive tribes. And we also know this sad truth. It is not only a broken culture that reduces life into simplistic opposites. There are far too many examples of faith reduced to either or ultimatums. The Bible does not shy away from the sad waywardness of faith gone awry. Beginning in the garden, traveling through wilderness and exile, and continuing with Jesus' own disciples, leaving him in another garden. But thankfully, the Bible is more than a story of waywardness, for the Bible also tells the story of the ways of Moses and Ruth, of Miriam and Amos, of Paul from Tarsus 
and Mary of Magdala. Of particular concern in the living of these days is the individualization and the co-modification of faith. A perspective filtering faith through privatized success and prosperity gospel blessing rooted in assumptions of entitlement and idolatries of advantage. Or to say it simply, faith as what's in it for me? <laughs> a long time ago, Paul wrote a letter to a church in Corinth. Based on his letters, it appears the Corinthian church may have caused Paul to wonder why he ever went to Corinth in the first place. Yet we are all the better for his letters. Because through their struggles, Paul helps us see what matters most. Some of the same struggles existing in our world and in some churches are also addressed in Paul's letters. See, there were assumptions about who and what is most important. Some lording their importance over others, some suggesting their way of faith is better or more vital than others. That kind of thinking was predominant outside the church. So Paul says the body of Christ is to live differently. Katie Hines Shaw reminds us that the metaphor of the body was commonly used in Greek and Roman oratory, usually to emphasize unity under hierarchy. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul changes a key point of its meaning. Unity is still important, of course, but rigid hierarchy is replaced with interdependence and even special concern for the weak and the less respectable. The gospel cannot be good news only to a privileged class. It must be spoken through the lives of all who believe and bear fruit in their communities. The living word is not just text. It must be embodied meeting God's people today in their deepest needs. So our hands belong at work for our neighbor. If we would have the word to take flesh in us. Arthur Kleinman in his book, The Soul of Care writes, the capacity to care is the bedrock of our humanity. We are here to care. Our fragile bodies and our vulnerable lives are signs that we have been placed in each other's care. Giving and receiving care is what we are made for. So Paul suggests that faith, while personal, is never private. The life of faith always leads to neighbor always includes both one and many. Remember, remember how Jesus said it when he was asked what is most important? Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Faith as one and many. When Diana Butler Bass spoke here last November, she focused on her book, Freeing Jesus. In the chapter entitled, Way, she wrote of faith. The way is the way of love. As Jesus himself said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. She then cites from Norman Wurzba's book, The Way of Love, who wrote this. Christianity is not, in essence, a set of teachings, but a way of life. Christian faith is a vision of flourishing that bears witness to God's love everywhere at work in this world. To say God is love is neither sentimental nor facile. Rather, it expresses the truth that God's love is the ever-present, ever-active source and sustenance of all reality. So we gather on Sundays to rehearse faith because there is so much in life that is out of tune with the very best of faith. We gather to remember what is crucial, to be encouraged to practice God's kind of love in a time when people settle for far less than God's kind of love. As followers of Christ, we are called to always be forming and reforming. As members of the Christian church, disciples of Christ, we carry both the freedom and the responsibility to craft faith in the midst of community. So with these assumptions, what might be some of our core affirmations? Perhaps these, that God is love and not vengeful, that God is just and not indifferent, that God is compassionate and not distant, that the God who is love calls us to live that love with one another, striving as much as it is in our power to do, to work for unity and overcome divisions, to work for justice and overcome inequity, to work for healing and overcome estrangement. That God initially and perpetually creates all people with original blessing, rather than tragically and abidingly creating all people stained by original sin. That worship calls us into reverent awe and wonder for God, even as we are sent to share deep respect and loving kindness toward God's world. That when we gather at this table each week to receive the bread and the cup as signs of Christ's presence, we remember that Christ is the host and his invitation is for whoever will to come and to be fed. For the table is as open as Christ's arms and as wide as God's mercy. 
that each particular body of Christ, whatever name, name happens to be on the wall outside, seeks always to surpass any wall that prohibits working with all of God's people for the coming of God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. What else needs including, reforming, modifying? Grant us wisdom and grant us courage. Today, as we have commissioned one to serve in a particular ministry of love and grace, we have also reminded ourselves that God calls all of us as disciples of Christ. And that discipleship was well summarized by a sentence that Karen Hess sent to me some years ago from a paper she had written about the church. And these are the words. Our call as the church is to be representative of the new way of living together. A way of life bounded by love and service to one another and the willingness to pour ourselves into the world. It is indeed the call of one and many.